0: We want you to know that everything we do here at Grace Baptist Church is grounded in the Word of God, it's guided by the Word of God, Uh, it only comes from the Word of God. This is not our opinion uh, or the way that uh, we want things to be, Uh, our hobby horses or pet peeves, this is the Word of God is upon which we stand and so we want you to have the Word of God open in front of you, electronically or otherwise, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we provided one for you, and so somewhere in the chairs uh, in front of you, underneath those chairs, should be a Bible, and in that Bible, it's on page 95, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 33 through 44. This is our seventh sermon in Leviticus chapter 23, and our final sermon in Leviticus chapter 23. Pause for reaction. None forthcoming. Continuing on, (laughs) not yet our final sermon in Leviticus, but our final sermon in Leviticus chapter 23. We have taken a sermon for each of the special festivals, feasts, days, and celebrations in the Jewish calendar, and we have noted a number of similarities uh, in our day, and especially as we see uh, the reasons behind these days and festivities and celebrations and solemn assemblies. And we come now to the final one of the Jewish calendar year, and arguably the one that was most looked forward to by ancient Israel and even current day uh, Jews. This is Sukkot. This is the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Tents. This is the Feast of Temporary Dwellings. This was a reminder of the wilderness wanderings, and a reminder and an expectation of God's provision for the nation of Israel. It was a week-long national camping trip. So for those of you that enjoy camping, this isn't sort of glamping, all right, with the big fifth-wheel trailer and all that sort of things that we sometimes do, even here on PEI. This was a return back to the sort of tents, the sort of open lean-tos that the nation of Israel would have occupied uh, during their wilderness wanderings, and we'll see why in just a moment. But what an exciting time for the nation of Israel. All of the harvests have been gathered, all of the different grains, and now even the grapes and the olives, everything is in. Provision has been made for the rest of the year, and now it's time to celebrate. And this festival begins with a Sabbath, and ends with the Sabbath, and in between as a week of feasting and celebration, thanksgiving to God, and like I said, a a national uh, camping trip, if we can put it that way. And so follow along with me, if you would, as I read in your hearing this morning, Leviticus chapter 23, starting to read at verse 33. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "'Speak to the people of Israel, saying, on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, and for seven days is the feast of booths to the Lord.' On the first day shall be a holy convocation, you shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you'll present food offerings to the Lord, and the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord as a solemn assembly, you shall not do any ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation for presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifice and drink offerings, each on its proper day, besides the Lord's Sabbath, "'Besides your gifts and besides all your vow offerings "'and besides all your freewill offerings "'which you give to the Lord. "'On the fifteenth day of the seventh month "'when you've gathered in the produce of the land, "'you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. "'On the first day shall be a solemn rest, "'and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. "'And you shall take on the first day "'the fruit of splendid trees, "'branches of palm trees and boughs of leafy trees "'and willows of the brook, "'and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days.'" You shall celebrate it as a feast of the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Thus Moses declared to the people of Israel the appointed feasts of the Lord this is the Word of God. What is the purpose in all of these feasts? There are many, certainly, but the one that we want to focus on this morning for this feast in particular, as well as really all of these feasts and these days and these times of celebration and solemn assembly, is this reality of reminders. We all desperately need reminders. Our day starts with a reminder that dreaded sound that none of us like. We've tried different sounds. All of them are harsh. We do not want to awake. But the reminder of the alarm clock is, hey, a new day is here. Time to wake up, time to get going. And after we've hit snooze three or four times, or seven or eight times, depending on who we are, we might find our way out of bed. All of us have calendars. We have notifications. Our phone will actually ding and let us know, hey, you have this appointment, or hey, you have this thing coming up. We have annual reminders. We need reminders. You would think the nation of Israel, throughout their generations, would never forget the Exodus. How do you possibly forget coming out of Egypt after 10 plagues, 10 manifestations? Of the power and the goodness and the sovereignty of Almighty God. Systematically undermining each of ten gods within the Egyptian pantheon, proving once and for all that the Egyptian gods are no gods and there is only one God, the one true God, Yahweh. And then you leave in the middle of the night with your family and you make it to the Red Sea, and that is impassable according to your viewpoint. The Egyptian army is behind you, and Moses, your leader, stands and raises his staff, and the waters part, and you walk through on dry ground. And then God provides through water coming out of a rock, through manna, through all of these things. These stories would have been passed down from generation to generation, but the reality of story is story can turn into legend, and legend can turn into myth. And so we need reminders You would think, as those who profess to be followers of Christ, that we would never forget the day of our redemption, that we would never forget the love of God for us, that it would be difficult to the point of impossible to forget who we were before God met us through Christ by the Spirit and who we now are as a result. You would think that it would be impossible for us to forget our salvation. And yet the reality is we frequently forget our salvation. We frequently get who we are, who God is, and what he has done for us. And we desperately need reminders. And so this portion of scripture divides very neatly into three sections. So let us look at the first section. Or we have a reminder of God's provision. That's what this Feast of Sukkot is all about, this Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Tents. This is what it's, it's intended to do for the people of Israel. Remind them of the provision that God has given to them. There are, it is bracketed in the first place by solemn, restful assemblies. Part of the issue that we have in not remembering is busyness. We slide into routine, and it's very easy for us to just go into sort of this uh, mode whereby we're not really aware of the things around us. We become almost robotic. Every day is the same. We get up, we have our morning routine, we go to work, which is also part of our routine. We come home, and we have a routine with our family. It may differ slightly, but there's routine, and then we go to bed, and we do it all over again the next day. I remember when I was working at a car parts factory in Windsor, Ontario, that feeling of having my hands moving and doing things, but my mind was not engaged with what my hands were doing. I had slipped into a mode whereby my hands knew what to do as the car parts came out of the press, plastic injection molding, I could do the the job and my mind was elsewhere. And I didn't make a whole lot of mistakes in that mode, but then when I sort of came to and sort of like, oh, what am I actually doing here? Then all of a sudden I got behind and started making mistakes. But we get into that mode oftentimes. We just sort of slip into this routine, and we need these solemn assemblies to wake us up, so to speak, to these realities that we have forgotten. And so that's what the Sabbath is intended to do on a weekly reminder, and then throughout these annual reminders, these special Sabbaths, that we come apart, we don't do regular work, we don't have our regular routine, and we are reminded of who God is and what he has done. We need these reminders. And so this feast, this festival, this seven day, eight day, if you include the final day, celebration of the harvest and all the provision of God is bracketed by these moments of these full days of remembrance. Pause from distraction, pause from routine, and come back to the reality of who you are, who God is, and and what he has done for you. It's kind of what Sunday, for us, is all about. There is a commitment that each of you has made to be here, a commitment that most of you make weekly. There is a reason why we need what we are doing here right now. Because if we just go days on end without break, without pause, we forget. We forget who we really are. Because we are just inoculated and, and inculcated by our culture with false messaging. We forget who God is or forget Him entirely. We forget what he's done for us. We need these times. And this feast and festival begins and ends with these times. And then in the middle, there's times of feasting and celebration. Imagine as a kid, you get a whole week to just eat and enjoy and feast. It's like an extended Thanksgiving day. The family's all together. This is one of the feasts and festivals that the Jewish males were required to be at Tabernacle, a temple when that was erected. And so the families all together, families from all over, cousins and individuals you haven't seen maybe in a whole year, certainly in a number of months. And now we're all together. What a great time of remembrance. All the harvest is in. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for us. This time of feasting and celebration. Our God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God, and we need to remember that, and that's what this festival, this feast, was all about. Remember who these blessings come from. It's so easy in the midst of blessing to forget the blesser, and we need to take a step back and say, Thank you, God. All of this is from you. Thank you. And then, as we move into verses 37 through 38, these two verses is a second section the author of Leviticus takes a step back and sort of sums up all of the feasts and festivals that appear in this chapter. And we have a reminder of God's presence. As we mentioned, the theme of the book of Leviticus is how does a holy God dwell in the midst of an unholy people? Or, yeah, reverse, how do unholy people dwell with God in their midst? How does this work? And so all of these feasts and festivals are a reminder that God is with his people. God is with us as his people we need that reminder as well not as a scare tactic but as a source of comfort stability and strength and blessing God is present with his people notice that there are consistent focused gatherings numerous times in a calendar year the Jewish nation would get together and they'd be reminded God is in our midst we are not on our own we are not here for ourselves We are not doing life for ourselves. We are doing everything we do, and we are who we are because of our God. He is the one who made us. He is the one who formed us as a people, as he promised he would to our patriarch Abraham. He is the one who kept those promises, brought us out of the nation of, uh, uh, of Egypt, and continues to keep those promises to us. He is in our presence, and we are in his presence. And there's this consistency as they come together and gather. There's consistent sacrifice. Notice the numerous sacrifices that are mentioned. We, we, we know that there are five separate ones in our previous walkthrough, or uh, back in the first part of Leviticus as we walk through that. There's a number of sacrifices there. And all of these sacrifices have the intention of bringing the worshiper into the presence of God. Why is sacrifice necessary? Because for an unholy human to try to attempt to come into the presence of a holy God results in death, because death is a penalty for sin. And so death must precede getting into God's presence. And the death of an animal, something sacrificed its life so the life of the worshiper did not need to be sacrificed. And what a potentially gruesome and stark reminder of the realities of sin, but the blessing of God's salvation every time sacrifice was made and given. God is in our presence, and we are in his presence. And then consistent gratitude. Notice in verse 38, there's a number of extra offerings, these vow offerings and free will offerings and gifts that are made. We mentioned that as one of the last offerings that is mentioned. These offerings that we give just in abundance of thanksgiving. How many times have we had prayers answered by God? How many times has God come through for us in ways that we were not expecting? How often has God been there for us in ways that we sometimes don't even recognize? And so these extra offerings were there to just thank God even more. How beautiful it is to be in God's presence and for God's presence to be with us, to live in the world that he has made the way that he has created it to be lived. What a a great stability that brings, comfort that brings, peace that brings, wisdom that brings. There's so much confusion. And our society and culture is getting more and more confused as we go along. And what blessing there is to be in God's presence and God's presence to be in us, to show us what is truth, what is real, what reflects Him and how He has made things to be. And we'll see more of that this evening at the Theology Forum on the Origin of Everything. And then we come to the last section. It's a reminder of God's blessing in verses 39 through 43. God has abundantly blessed his people. And so what they are to do is to take the fruit of the splendid trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. What an abundance of blessing there is through God. And this is material blessing. It's not why we follow God. And when he withholds those material blessings, we still follow him and trust him. But what joy there is in the abundant blessing that God brings. And here at the end of the harvest, the nation of Israel has gathered all of these things in, and their hearts are full with the abundance that God has provided for them. Splendid trees, all of this fruit, olives, and grapes, and all of these things. And especially as they're looking forward to being in the land that flows with milk, And honey, there's a good land that the spies let them know was there. They've not yet gone into and occupied, but will one day. What a reality of the abundant blessing of God. And if we would take the time and should take the time on a, a weekly or consistent basis, daily basis, to be reminded of the goodness of God. Thank you, God, for all the ways that you have blessed me. Remember that old hymn, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it may surprise you what the Lord has done. How often do we take that time to thank God for His abundant blessings? Unfortunately, too often we're engaged in complaining about the things that we think that we lack instead of thanking God for the abundant realities that He has brought into our lives. Notice in verse 40 the variety of blessing. All these different types of trees. The fruit of splendid trees, palm trees, leafy trees, willows of the brook. Our God is a creative God, and what a reality there is of the variety of different blessings that God gives us. Not just single blessings of a single nature, but so many different types of blessings that God gives us. And again, we just sang that song on purpose, 10,000 reasons. We have so many reasons to thank God for the abundance of his blessing and the variety of his blessing He's done so much for us. And then in verses 42 and 43, there is this idea of comparative blessings because what they are supposed to do after they get into the land of Israel and establish permanent dwellings, and we know from other portions of Scripture that these dwellings could have cedar from Lebanon, beautiful personal homes of the Jewish nation. They were to spend one week camping in non-permanent dwellings to remind them of the blessings of God. There's nothing like the blessing of a home and your own bed and your own hot shower than to be away from it for a week in a tent. Again, not just sort of, you know, your home on wheels. Uh, as Some people camp, which is fine. That's what you're going to do. But this type of camping that is talked about in this passage of Scripture is to come away from the comforts that we have, that we enjoy, to get into a situation and do a lean-to a three-walled roof structure with an open front, basically, to remind the nation of Israel they used to dwell in these types of structures. They used to be nomadic, dwelling in tents, ready to move at a moment's notice when the Shekinah glory of God and the cloud or in the pillar of fire would move. But now, now we have our nice hardwood floors and our Sealy Posturepedics and our, all of these things, our nice Lazy Boy chairs. We have all these things And so purposefully, God puts them a week, a year, out back into the wilderness, so to speak, to remind them of where they have come and all that God has given them in a comparative way. Not a negative type of comparison, but to to appreciate all that they have by purposely removing those blessings from themselves for a, a temporary period of time to be reminded of all the things that God has done for them. And then in the last place from the passage, this reminder of God's rescue. There is the physical rescue from Egypt, verse 43, when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. Why are we doing this? Mom and dad, this is great. I love camping. But Why do we do this every year? Why do we have this structure that we uh, put up every year and we kind of camp out in the backyard? It's a bit weird. It's not the norm. Why are we doing this? And what a beautiful reminder and an an opportunity for grandparents and parents to say, well, here's why we're doing this. Because we used to be a people without a home. We used to be a nation without a land. And our God, the one true God, brought us out of slavery in Egypt and brought us into prosperity and blessing in our land and in our nation." but of course, also the spiritual rescue from sin. These solemn rests of worship on the first and the eighth day. These Sabbaths that bracket it, give more context to this. This is not just thank you God for all of the stuff, but is primarily, thank you God for you. And thank you God for all that you have done spiritually. We were not just slaves in Egypt physically, but we were slaves to our sin, and you brought us out by your mighty hand and redeemed us, and we thank you for that. So this reminder of God's provision, a reminder of God's presence, a reminder of God's blessing, and a reminder of God's rescue. So now take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the Gospel of John and chapter 7. Because there is a fascinating portion of Scripture here in John's Gospel. In John chapter 7, it is the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. It is the time of the Feast of Tents. This feast, prescribed here in Leviticus, thousands of years before Christ, is now happening at the temple in Jerusalem when Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is here on the earth. And so Jesus goes down to this festival. The entirety of chapter 7, essentially, is about this feast and this festival. And I want to draw your attention to verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, John seven thirty-seven, the Feast of Tabernacles, this feast that we've just looked at, The great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now let us walk back through all of the things the Feast of Tabernacles was intended to remind the nation of Israel of, And see these reminders from Jesus, reminders about Jesus. Because Jesus, as we know, is the fulfillment of everything in Scripture. And he is the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is why Jesus stands up on the great day and proclaims himself to be the Messiah, proclaims himself to be the fulfillment of this feast. Notice that he is our provision. What does he say? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Because whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is our provision. He is all we need. Reminded in John 4, just a few chapters before this, that Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. And he meets there, the woman at the well. And he says, if you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. You will never have to come and get this water from the well. And he's talking about spiritual water, not physical water. And she says, please give me some of that to drink. That'd be amazing. And Jesus says, I am the Messiah. Believe in me, trust in me. And all of your deepest needs will be met in me. All of us are sinners in need of a savior. All of us are in need of rescue. All of us have pain and guilt and shame and regret. All of us are sinners, rebels against God. And so Jesus has come to say, I am the provision for that. I am the one who can heal you. I am the one who can rescue you. I am the one who can give you holiness in exchange for taking the penalty for your sin, so that in yourself, through the presence of my Holy Spirit, you have relationship with God because of me, and you will have all of the stability that you need. You have the answers to all the questions, Who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do while I'm here? Where am I going next? All of those questions find their answer in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says at this great feast, this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, I'm the one. I am the provision from God, as he said just a chapter prior in John 6. Notice that Jesus is also present. What does it say in verse 39? Now this he said about the spirit. We know as we continue through John's gospel that Jesus is going to say to his disciples, I must go. It's needful for me to go, but when I go, I will send to you the comforter, the one who will come along beside, the one who will indwell you. And it will be better for you, he says to his disciples, that I go, so that the Holy Spirit may come. As one author has said, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. We have a class on the Trinity that takes place at eleven fifteen. We, we know about the Father. He scares us a little bit. We're cool with Jesus, but the Spirit is weird, so we don't say much about it. And Jesus gives a lot of credence to the Spirit to say that His presence here in 2022 is with us if we were in Christ because the Holy Spirit is in all believers in Jesus Christ. He is always with us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so as the nation of Israel was reminded of God's provision, Jesus is our provision As the nation of Israel was reminded of God's presence in their midst, we are to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is in us. Numerous passages of the the New Testament tell us this. Jesus is our blessing, verses 37 and 38. Come, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What a blessing it is to know Jesus Christ and be known by him. That if Jesus Christ was to let everything go in our life and we were to lose it all, To have him is not only enough, but more than enough. How blessed we are to be known by the one who spoke all things into existence. What a blessing it is to be known by Jesus Christ and to know him. And he says, come, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That my life will be in him. And the needs that we have are all met in Jesus Christ. Notice Jesus is our rescue. What does he say at the end of verse 39? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is shorthand in the gospel of John for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as you track this word throughout John's gospel. What is coming? What does Jesus know he's going to do? He is going to one day soon go to the cross from this perspective and there he is going to bear the penalty of our sin and offer up his life on our behalf. He is the great sacrifice as he is also the great high priest. So Jesus knows that he is also going to be our rescue. Not necessarily our physical rescue, but our spiritual rescue from our sin and rebellion. He is going to give us life where before all we had was death. Jesus Christ is our rescue, and he says to all the people that are there, I am the one, I am your rescue, I am your Lord, and I am your Savior. Notice in the fifth place, Jesus is our final rest. There's something more that we miss because it's not in Scripture, but it was added to this Feast of Tents. This Feast of Tabernacles. Because of some passage in the Old Testament, notably Ezekiel 14, 1, 47 through, sorry, 1 through 12, and Zechariah 14, 8, there was a promise of God that one day streams of living water would flow out of the temple and be for the healing of the nations. And what an amazing, if you track this, there is the rivers of living water in Genesis that flow in four different directions from the Garden of Eden. And it reappears in Revelation 21 and 22, this river of life flowing for the healing of the nations and the flourishing of the nations. And there are promises in the Old Testament that this water would start at the temple of the living God and would flow out to heal all of the nations. And all nations would come to Jerusalem to be healed and to worship the one true God. And so as part of this Feast of Tabernacles, each day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jews began to do a ritual, a water ritual, and so they would go down to a source of water at this time in Second Temple Judaism, using the Pool of Siloam, and they would gather pitchers of water, and they would come up to the temple, and they would pour these pitchers of water out down the stairs of the temple in, in honor of and, 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 and sort of in anticipation of what God was going to do, as if that would kickstart this promise of God. God promised that uh, rivers of living water would flow from the temple, and so we we are honoring that, we are believing that, they are saying in this ritual. And on this last day of the feast, it says the great day, perhaps this last day as they have poured the water down, Jesus stands up and says, that's me. I'm the living water. I'm the one that's going to fulfill this. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you were looking for. And this ritual of pouring the water is not going to kickstart the promises of God. The promise of God is fulfilled right now in me. I'm here. And this promise from Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12, this promise from Zechariah fourteen, eight, is fulfilled in me. That is me. I am here. I am the one. And finally, turn with me, if you would, over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 14. John begins his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Jesus Christ the righteous. And what does he say in verse 14? And the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. How much does Jesus love us? Jesus has tabernacled with us. This Feast of Tabernacles, part of this week, or throughout the entire week, the nation of Israel was to leave their homes, their places of comfort and rest, with all of the things that they enjoyed, and to move into a tent, a temporary structure, A step down, one might say, to remind themselves of where they came from. And Jesus Christ the righteous, it says, left his throne of glory. Left all that he had and all that he knew to come and tabernacle with us, to come and dwell with us in flesh, to become one of us, to take on humanity so that he could save us, rescue us. This is unlike anything else that is out there. Everything else out there says you go from down to up. You go from low to high. Only Christianity, only Jesus Christ goes from on high to down below. Only Jesus Christ descends the ladder down to come to us. He left glory to live with us and currently in the heavenlies jesus christ the righteous is enrobed in human flesh and one day we will see him and as doubting thomas saw we will see the scars in his wrists and in his feet he didn't just become human to rescue us. He became human forever. He is incarnated, the incarnated Son of God, and he loves us that much to descend to us. If you ever doubt the love of God for you, look to Jesus. He is our provision. He is present with us. He is our blessing. He is our rescue. He is our final rest, and he is tabernacle tented with us. He is one of us so that we can be one with him, John 17. This feast has so much for us from Scripture, a reminder of who we are in Christ. And so our response this morning, Grace Baptist, is Jesus our all-sufficient treasure? Is he everything to you? Is he everything to me? All that he is, all that he has done, for us come to me he says come to me all you who are weary and heavily burdened and i jesus says i will give you rest we can lay aside our self righteousness we can lay aside trying to be holy because we can never be holy as he is holy we can lay aside our regrets lay aside our pain Lay aside our guilt and our shame. Lay aside our rebellion and our sin and pleasure. And see him as the greatest treasure. See him as the goal of life and life everlasting. See him as all of these things and so much more. And Jesus offers himself to his nation. I am the one, come to me. And you will have life and life more abundant. That is our prayer for you here at Grace Baptist Church, that you would know the one who loves you, died for you, rose again to life for you, and lives ever to make intercession for you. To be your provision, to be present with you through his Holy Spirit, to be a blessing to you in so many ways, to be your rescue, to be your final rest and your rest in this life as well. Let's look to him in prayer. Father, we are so thankful this morning for all the ways that you bless us. You gave this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, to your nation of Israel. That one week out of the year they would come aside, go back into temporary structures to remind themselves of who you are and what you did for them. To remind themselves of your provision of your presence among them of your blessing to them and your rescue of them to recount these stories to their children and to their grandchildren to show you in all your beautiful glory and splendor but father this was the shadow this was merely the picture Because when your son, our Lord and Savior, was here, he cried out at the celebration of this very festival, come to me. I am the giver of life. I am your provision. I am your ultimate provision, your ultimate blessing. My presence can be with you for this life and for eternity. I am your rescue." I am your final rest. I am to be the one you worship. My glory is what you are to submit to. I am to be your all-sufficient treasure. I love you. I became one of you. I came down to you to bring you back up to where I am. I came down into the pit to carry you out of it. I did all of this for you. Follow me. And Father, my prayer is for all of us this morning. That we would rejoice in who you are. And all that you have done for us. In your glory and majesty and your provision and rescue and blessing and rest through your tabernacled Son. And Father, for the glory that awaits, may this ever be in our minds. May we be reminded of it regularly. May it also then be on our lips May we speak of Jesus to all who will hear. Because Father, he ought to be everything to us more to us than the things of this life, more to us than our own pride, more to us than our accomplishments, more to us than our goals and dreams, more to us than our loved ones, more to us than anything else that we might treasure, Father, that he might become in our lives the ultimate treasure, that we would give all to be with him. We pray in his name. Amen.